You're listening to American Girl Women with Laura Treader and Lindsay Adams-Franca. This is a podcast where two millennial gals gather around the microphone and reminisce on the cultural phenomenon that took our childhood by storm, American Girl Dolls. Contrary to what you might think, we aren't just talking about dolls here. We're diving into the high highs and the low lows of getting hooked on American Girl and all the childhood memories that come flooding back. So join us and a few special guests each week as we become American Girl Women. Hey, Laura. Hey, Lindsay. I am so excited for today's episode. We are joined by Marianne Machescu, our very first returning guest to the podcast. And if you haven't heard Marianne's original episode from May 2022 called Bespoke Samantha, I highly recommend you checking it out for a very unique AG story. But Marianne, welcome back to AGW. Thank you so much, Lindsay. This is the best day of my life. (laughs) I am honored to be back with you. We're so excited to have you as a returning guest because I feel like you just you just get what we're trying to do here. And, you know, when we were talking about what types of episodes we wanted to do for the holidays, we were like, we need someone funny who understands our commentary on American Girl. So you're the perfect guest to bring back for the first time. Oh my gosh, that is like going to make me cry. You guys are the perfect podcast. I listen to you all the time in the show. And there's so many recovered memories that have come out because of episodes you've done. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I was like obsessed with this issue and I don't even remember it. And yeah, so thank you again. This is oh amazing. Of course. Well, of course, also, you are a huge fan of Samantha, which I think makes you an extra good guest to have with us for this episode. <laughs> Definitely. We needed a Samantha girly to come on to discuss Samantha, an American Girl holiday. But before we get into the movie, let's just set the scene a little bit here for a little context. I find it really fascinating that this is the very first American Girl movie that they created. I didn't realize this was their first movie that they came out with. Me either. I assumed Felicity Shailene Woodley was the first. Yeah, very strong start for the first because I thoroughly enjoyed this film. I guess it also makes sense like that they would do Samantha because like she is a fan favorite. And Mm -hmm. I do think there's something like intrinsically holiday-esque about her looks and her storyline and like also New York City so I guess it does make sense that they made this entry point into films as a holiday movie and also with her story which lends itself very well to like a holiday storyline we all have our favorite holiday movies people love elf people go crazy for a christmas story and all the rest but like this honestly i think is going to be up there in my list of holiday movies now we're gonna sit down and watch the samantha movie every year for christmas now (laughs) yes it's become a classic i feel like in my in my book for sure (laughs) Agreed. A classic for many. And I wanted to do a little digging before we started this and to see what the general consensus was, what the reviews were. And it had surprisingly good reviews. However, the one critic review on Rotten Tomatoes comes from 7M Pictures. Not sure what that is from a man named Kevin Carr. And this is the one official review that it has. 
He says, the target audience is so alarmingly narrow that I don't see it appealing to anyone outside of the girls that buy the dolls. And? Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Kevin. (laughs) Like, Kevin, you're watching an American Girl movie. Like, know your audience, please. Honestly. He gave it a two out of five, which is offensive. But he's not he's not the audience, right? No. <laughs> I'm like, why were you even watching? Reason. Yeah, exactly. like why would you even watch as a man full stop, actually? Like, this is not a movie for men. <laughs> this is not even a movie for boys. This is a yeah. movie for girls and women only. Yeah. He sounds like one of those guys that will like criticize the plot line in like My Little Pony or something like that. And it's like, hi, you know, you're talking about My Little Pony. Like you are not the target audience here, but that's fine. I feel like whenever I, because my husband Dave and I have been rewatching a lot of the classics. We're like rewatching Clueless and She's the Man and all of these movies. And, you know, you go back to it and you're like, oh, I wonder like what jokes will hit and what I will actually take away from it. And there are some movies that are like really, really good. And you're like, cool, that still hits. And there are some that were like, oh, I don't know. So I was kind of going into Samantha with no expectations, really. And it vastly exceeded all of my, like, it was a good ass movie, I think. Have you seen it before? No. Have you seen any of the American Girl movies no, I haven't. So like with yeah. you guys doing this podcast, it has helped me like dive back into <laughs> a lot of that. So I have a list yeah. going. Felicity is next. And yeah, this was this was great. Amazing. Yeah, Laura and I had watched this about, oh goodness, Laura, like a, was it two years ago that we watched it? It was, I think it was like winter 2020 or maybe yeah. early 2021, but a, a while ago, over a year ago. A really long time ago prior to us like initially even considering having a podcast when we're still like very much into exploring American Girl on our own and meeting every week to discuss so Laura and I had like a bit of like a tv slash movie slash catalog catalog review club every week where it was just the two of us talking through a different topic each week or a different thing that we were consuming and we were watching the AG movies. So I do have my original notes of when we first watched the movie, which <sighs> I thought were like pretty in depth and a lot of like the same points that I had like noted originally two years ago. Like I still had like pointed out for <laughs> this rewatch, which was interesting Um, But really excited to get into this today. But before we do, could we just talk about the cast? Absolutely. Yes. This (laughs) this cast is like full of A-list and not A-list, if that makes sense. Like, (laughs) I mean, Mia Farrow is in this movie. Mia Farrow was Grand Mary. Can we just acknowledge that? (laughs) Yeah. Role of a lifetime. That is a pretty big name to get for a movie like this, and in my opinion, especially because American Girl hadn't done any movies yet. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like as an actor signing on to this, like that you would be, it's a sure thing that it's going to be a success. So I think that Mia Farrow was a pretty big get for them. I fully agree. And Anna Sophia Robb is playing Samantha Parkington in this, and this was her very first film role. 
So I think that is really cool. Actually, one of the reviews that I read about it was from a man who said he's not an American Girl fan, but he is an Anna Sophia Robb fan. So he wanted to like watch all of her movies and actually liked (laughs) the Samantha movie, which I really appreciated. Um, But I feel like AG had some major intuition and or major budget, you know, for casting (laughs) these movies like. Laura, you shared that Shailene Woodley starred in the Felicity movie. Abigail Breslin played Kit, which also had Willow Smith, Stanley Tucci, Wallace Shawn, and Jane Krakowski in it. I looked it up prior to this, and I was kind of blown away by that cast. Um, They also had Olivia Rodrigo in the Grace movie in 2015, um, Molly Ringwald played Molly's mother in the Molly movie. Marsha Gay Harden was Felicity's mother. Like it goes on and on. And I love to just see how many like stars are connected <laughs> to American Girl. Like clearly they had like some kind of interest or knowledge or maybe like a family member in their life, like loved American Girl for them to be like, yes, like I'm going to be in these movies. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like I recognized the woman who played Cornelia in this. And I was like, why do I know her? There was a point during the pandemic where I was just watching tons and tons of Lost. And she played Charlotte on Lost. Really? Oh, yeah. wow. So that was like a fun callback to all of that. But really big A-list group. I feel like I didn't know this was Anna Sophia Robb's first film role. She's so good in it. She played such a wonderful Samantha with so much she heart. Did. Like she really did. Yeah. Yeah. She really brought Samantha to light, like to life, I should say. Um, And I think this was like a time period where I feel like she was everywhere. Like I was very aware of her. Like I think she was in Because of Win Dixie, which was like Mm -hmm. a pretty big movie. And then also Bridge to Terabithia. Oh my God. There was like a lot of feature roles for her I feel like that came out either around this time or like subsequently after so I'd like to think that this movie was like her calling card to Hollywood (laughs) yeah I mean she definitely showed all of the range in this one role so right and we can't forget the Carrie Diaries as well (laughs) oh of course the Carrie Diaries iconic piece of television lore (laughs) I also recognize Uncle Guard, the actor Jordan Bridges from Rizzoli and Isles, which was a favorite binge watch TV show for me way after it already was off the air. I think I watched it in like 2020 or 2019, but I recognized him immediately. And I think he plays a great Uncle Guard. He's got the very like uh, goofy yet sexy uncle card vibe nailed down (laughs) yeah truly there's tiktok videos about this movie and like people's like sexual awakenings to (laughs) uncle guard i mean he's quite handsome he's he's very handsome and i think he does a really good job i also think like he and mia farrow have good like mother-son chemistry if that makes sense like (laughs) i enjoyed watching the dynamic of him being 
her son and like sort of like teasing her and like sort of being like not like a black sheep but like sort of like not afraid to like ruffle her feathers as Granberry being very proper because I feel like mm-hmm. that's a that's a dynamic that if it comes through in the books I was too young to like really understand or appreciate it so yeah totally I feel like we have moments of Grand Mary that are like Victorian proper, mm-hmm. but she could also be playful and loving, which I really liked with Grand Mary and especially with Uncle Guard and, you know, later on with Samantha as well. Yeah. But- and I feel like there are definitely moments in the movie too, where she's very typical Victorian grandmother, but the people around her kind of like open her mind to other things, which can be said of Samantha as well. But I guess we'll get into it when we talk about the plot. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah get into the movie yeah let's do it so we open on a scene of these grand victorian houses and we are in mount bedford new york which i looked it up doesn't exist but it's based off of mount kisco in westchester which is like 30 miles north of new york city so it's this fictional town just outside of manhattan And we see Eddie chasing Samantha up a tree, being the true nuisance that he is. I really enjoyed this, like, opening scene of just really getting the lay of the land of Mount Bedford. Because I think that the film does a really good job um, illustrating exactly what I hoped it would be like from reading the books as a kid. Like... Her house looks a lot like mm-hmm. how I would imagine Grand Mary's house looks like. Maybe not exactly like it does in the illustrations, but a really good representation. Um, and even like just the idea of it being right on the Hudson, I think like they got the location exactly right for what I was picturing. Yeah, definitely. So we see Eddie is taunting Samantha right up the tree saying she's so dumb that she thinks three times four is 12, which follows the book. I actually just received um, all of the Samantha books from eBay and have yes. just started reading them again. <laughs> and I was pleased to see that like a lot of the lines were taken straight from the book. However, like very early on, we see that the script deviates from the source material when Samantha says she's going to take his money jar and dump it in the river because like the first few uh, pages of the book, it says that she's going to take his beetle jar and dump it in the offering plate at the church and blame him, which is very similar to what actually happens. But like right away, it gave an example of like, okay, the book and the movie are going to diverge slightly, but basically stay true to the series. Yeah. Well, here's something I didn't enjoy. They diverged a little bit on was, and you guys can tell me if you agree or disagree. I thought that the opening outfit that we see Samantha in her iconic meat outfit was too red in tone compared to (laughs) what it actually looks like in the books and on the doll, which is like a very like rich burgundy maroon. I just felt like it was not realistic that like a girl with a grandmother as proper as Grand Mary would be wearing like (laughs) a dress with like a red bow and a red like sash on it. Why didn't they just use the outfit from the Historic Girls collection? You're right. They could have just hit up 
that department and like gotten it from <laughs> whoever was in charge of that with the catalog. I feel like, yeah, right. Yeah. I feel like it took me a minute and it wasn't until there was like a close up moment. I was like, oh, that's the dress. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like it would have been such a good like marketing moment. Be like, oh, yeah. and you could purchase this dress too, <laughs> because but they like thinking like marketers, I guess. <laughs> right, and it like it just like slightly deviated from like the style. Like it wasn't like a totally different dress. Like the mm-hmm. ribbons, as Laura said, were like bright red. The bow is bigger than like what her meat dress has in in like the neck collar bow, and then the waist bow as well should have been more of like a v and not straight across but it's like if you're going to change it change it but it was so slight what was the point yeah yeah i mean and also not to get like ahead of ourselves but this was really the only dress of samantha's recognizable to us as the viewer and also american girl doll owners so we would be familiar with every Samantha offering that's in the catalog. And yeah. I didn't see a single thing that I recognized except for the beat outfit. Maybe like one of the dresses I thought was like somewhat inspired by her school outfit. But for the most part, I didn't see anything that called back to the catalog at all. Right. It was really a missed opportunity. It was like clothing inspired by what she wears, even like the nightgown that she wears later on. I'm like, just put her in Samantha's nightgown. Like, yeah. What is this happening right now? <laughs> I felt like the nightgown like was like decently close, but yeah, it just seems like a missed opportunity to like cross promote, um, you know, merchandise with the movie, but truly yeah, <laughs> and it would have been a less heavy lift for the costume designer I think to have access to those outfits that you could get through the American Girl world in that catalog where it was like an exact replica but seriously yeah I mean I did recognize the Lydia doll I don't know if that counts but Lydia seemed pretty accurate yeah to what I remember what Lydia looked like when I had the little set yes definitely. yes and I feel like her bed actually well, they show her bedroom at Uncle Guard's house, I think, more than her bedroom mm-hmm. at Grand Mary's house. But her bedroom at Uncle Guard's house in New York seemed very much what the catalog was sort of trying to put together with, like, the brass bed and, like, the really comfy, like, pillowy bedding. Um, But it, we only see it for, like, a second. It's not, yeah. like, a focal point. Right. So we are introduced to the O'Malley family as they're moving in next door. We have Nellie, her two sisters, Jenny and Bridget, and their father, who come to work at the Ryland house. And Eddie, like right off the bat, just continues to be a menace and shoots his slingshot into a window, which breaks it and tries to blame Nellie, which... I'm just so glad that like Eddie isn't like a main character in this movie. Like he has his moments in like the beginning scenes and then more or less disappears. Thankfully. (laughs) As he he should. That was one of my notes. Like as I was taking notes in the beginning, I was like, Eddie Ryland was a bitch from the jump. And I maintain like he was a bitch from the jump. Honestly. Trying to blame these girls that just got there. How did they have anything to do with the breaking? He is evil. Like, he he just seems like, and even like when he says to Samantha in this scene, like, these are our new servants, like the 
biggest one, like pointing to Nelly, is going to be my new maid. And Samantha's like, oh, she's too young to be a maid. Like, yeah. Eddie is like seeing and hearing things in his household that are causing him to believe that he can get away with the behavior that he exhibits. And like, yeah. I know like a lot of people like sort of say that like, oh, it's like a cute dynamic between them like maybe they'd like get married and fall in love someday like enemies to lovers type of thing I just think that he's evil and she would never ever be friends with someone like him let alone like eventually grow to like be in a hypothetical relationship with someone Uh, like him fully fully agreed like it's learned behavior and you know we see it later on that his mother is you know very much the same and I can't imagine Samantha wanting to marry him, let alone into that family with the convictions that she has. Exactly. Right. Because and it's I... not, it's not just like mild teasing. It's like evil. Yeah. Like, cl- cl- he's like aware of his class yeah. advantages. Yeah, exactly. exactly right. Exactly. And I hate that enemies to lovers trope. Like I hate that enemies to lovers trope because it's like, why should she put up with this bad behavior just because right. you like her? Like, no, that doesn't exist. Eddie's evil. He's a bitch. And that's that. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yes. Samantha introduces herself to Nellie and she's just such a pure heart. Like, she's so excited to have a friend next door to her. And I mean, within like the first few minutes here, we're really seeing this kind of harsh reality of vastly different childhood experiences during Samantha's time period as of course child labor laws have not been established yet um it wasn't a few years until you know children couldn't work at factories and then not for you know until like the 1930s late 1930s that children were more protected in terms of like their health and safety and the need for education so mm-hmm. we're really seeing this i think pretty stark line between Samantha and Nellie of which Samantha cannot see, but Nellie can between privilege and class poverty as Samantha sees Nellie's arrival as a new friend in the neighborhood, you know, asking her if she'll be attending the school that Samantha goes to and wanting to see each other the next day. And even Samantha like excitedly telling Mrs. Hawkins the cook at her home and Jesse Grandmary seamstress about Nellie. So we're like not even five minutes in here and we're seeing some pretty like uh, difficult themes for children starting to appear pretty early on. And it's just interesting. It was interesting to me because everything you guys were saying about how Eddie's behavior was very learned from his family. And he like thinks about things in terms of a hierarchy, but Samantha pure of heart, very sheltered but has never been exposed to that and kind of just sees Nellie as like I am so excited to make this new friend because Eddie sucks so of course I'm excited (laughs) that another girl who is my age is here and she seems just like really sweet and excited but she doesn't really care about the hierarchy because she talks to the house staff as if they're her family too and right there was a scene later on where she asked Jesse a question how long have you been working as a maid or when did you start working when you were a child and grand Mary was like, we don't talk to our staff like that. Like you don't ask the most questions. And Samantha was like, but I talk to her all the time in the kitchen. I don't understand. That was such an interesting scene because it's almost like 
from the movie's perspective, they were trying to frame it as, you know, Grand Mary does say, like, everybody needs to know their place, which implies a certain sense of, like, uh, inappropriateness for the servants to be, like, overly familiar with the family. But it's almost like she's scolding Samantha for being inappropriate like and saying that she needs to like have respect for the private lives of their staff because like they're not just like people who are there to like answer your questions or feel obligated to answer your questions because they work for you Mm -hmm. and I thought that was like an interesting way that they were trying to almost like distinguish the difference between the way that Grand Mary has raised Samantha versus the way that Eddie has been brought up in his family. Mm-hmm. And I think in both ways, like there is a sense of privilege there. But whatever way it's sort of being portrayed to Samantha to interact with their staff, it's almost like the complete and utter lack of like acknowledgement from Grand Mary is like breeding mm-hmm. a curiosity in her whereas like Eddie's family is just like outright like yep we're better than them we don't even like look at them or talk to them not because like we don't want to pry into their personal lives or like we want to know everybody's place in the hierarchy but almost like there's like a disdain for their staff in that way which I think is a little bit different in Samantha's household Yeah, absolutely. I wonder what Samantha's living situation was prior to her parents passing away. And, you know, if she was raised in a home where there was staff working there, or if it's kind of like an entirely new situation for her coming to Grand Mary's to live. Mm. I don't know if the book ever addressed that, but, you know, from what we see of like, uncle guard and Cornelia later on when they moved to New York, like they are in like a luxury like situation, like in a massive house in New York city. And like grand Mary obviously has her beautiful Victorian mansion, but I wonder what Lydia Parkington situation was like. Yeah. It doesn't seem like Samantha, like where Eddie comes from a place where, you know, this is kind of ingrained in him to look down upon people that work for his family like Samantha isn't approaching it that way so I wonder if Samantha's life was a little bit more relaxed in that regard where you know it's just her and her parents living in a in a nice home but not necessarily to the extent of Mount Bedford I do get the sense from Samantha's like anecdotal experience she shares about her parents specifically about her mother because it's not clear to me what age she was when they passed away in the boating accident um (laughs) but I think that from what she says it sounds like they had a very like hands-on relationship where if you look at like most people with wealth were not taking an active role in like the day-to-day raising of their kids but that could also Mm -hmm. be like generational like obviously Graham Mary is not spending a lot of time like playing with Samantha she's having her do her (laughs) piano (laughs) lessons and you know I almost see like Samantha's relationship with her parents being similar to how Uncle Guard and Cornelia treat her right Uh, And so I think, like, there could have been wealth there for sure, but just a different way of 
engaging with children generationally than like how Samantha's like now being brought up by someone who does have very old fashioned views about um class and you know proper behavior yeah Yeah. because there's also a line later on where Samantha and Nellie are like bonding over the fact because Nellie asks a question right like oh something about Samantha's parents and Samantha gets quiet and she talks about like, you know, my <laughs> mother and father, they they died actually. But there was a line that Samantha said that was like, I can still remember like my mom's hair or something like that. And I try right. to remember her voice. And I don't know if I'm making this up, but there might've been a line about how like her mother would sing to her or something. So that implies to me that her mom was around to like take care of her and do the whole bedtime ritual where I imagine like Eddie's parents probably just had one of the staff members like put him to sleep yeah yeah totally yes I don't know if y'all heard this but like it was a scene where she was showing the gift to Nellie that Uncle Guard had sent her with the stereopticon the viewfinder of sorts Mm -hmm. that you know he sent from Paris and Samantha was telling Nellie about how they're going to go to like the world's fair in St. Louis that summer. And there's this whole speech about uncle guard and how, you know, she's excited for all this stuff that he's going to show her and that they're going to eat together. And that uncle guard is her favorite person. And she was like, better than ma and da or something like that did you hear that like yeah I feel yeah. like <laughs> Nelly is like constantly dropping like the last letter of like certain words yeah like well they really like go out of their way to distinguish I think that like they could have just had Nelly come in and have the actress like read the lines like just normal mm-hmm. like not overly trying to like because that's a lot to ask of a child actor to like understand like a different class dialect that would have been spoken by someone like in her station and so it almost comes off I feel like as like so overly performative like no matter what she says (laughs) and it's not it's definitely like the writing is to blame too but there's one scene at the beginning that's like Nellie to one of her sisters when they're first arriving she's like I know you're hungry but you'll just have to wait it's like (laughs) I cringed I'm like okay (laughs) like it's it's just the way that the lines are being delivered that is yeah it's making it so hard for me to take it seriously right it's so unnatural whereas like Samantha's acting is like very like reasonable and you could you really feel it when she says the words but with Nellie you're like I feel like some of her lines I was just like immediately taken out of it being like what is this girl saying <laughs> Nellie just seems just like so happy to be there she's just so happy to be <laughs> in any situation she, I don't know just like very wide-eyed and like yes they look like the most beautiful people I've ever seen even though she's like in these tough situations too like later on in the plot when like Nellie has to go away but it's like a crappy situation she just still seems like so happy to be there oh I can't see my sisters ever but yes I'm happy to be here which you know right yeah we can all learn from that I guess (laughs) Samantha's dad is so handsome looking at the picture of her her parents in the locket and it's like you don't think this middle-aged man is handsome no what (laughs) right like no no 
10 year old would say that it's no. just like no absolutely <laughs> he was, not he was definitely like not even that handsome actually yeah. that was mean that was mean of me whatever all right so <laughs> samantha takes it upon herself to teach nelly to read and there's quite a dramatic scene which i thought was one of the more cinematographic scenes of this movie where Nellie has to beat the dirt out of a rug and Samantha says that looks like fun you know again blurring the lines and uh Samantha really just goes to town on this rug in like a slow-mo moment where Nellie is reciting the lines from this book and the way that she's going to town on the rug is giving like one of those rooms that you can go to and like like, (laughs) hit things with a sledgehammer I was like god what is her trauma that she's unleashing onto this rug her frustrations it's like she's releasing her frustrations over uncle guard having a girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) onto the rug right this is such (laughs) like an intense like amount of dust that was coming off the rug too it's like maybe people should take their shoes off inside because that was like tumbleweeds were about to come out of that that was insane yeah like what is the ryland family doing to that rug they clearly are a wear your shoes in the house kind of household which does not sit well with me the shoes stay by the door (laughs) where you've been walking but yeah that was like an insane amount of dust coming out but it was funny seeing like Samantha looks at it as like, oh, this is like a fun game. Whereas now, right. like, that's just her job. But yeah, they got to exchange the book for the little rug beater thing. <laughs> right? Yes. Seriously. Then we are finally introduced to Uncle Guard and Cornelia. So they are pulling up in this car. Cornelia is in full veil on this new automobile coming to Mount Bedford. And Guard meets Samantha on the lawn. So, like, they run to each other and he is like, I have someone for you to meet, Samantha. And <laughs> it's Cornelia. And Samantha's not happy. It's <laughs> Cornelia. <laughs> and you can see that she's not happy from the way that Cornelia greets her and is like, oh, hi, Sam. Like, your uncle's told me so much about you. And she's like, my name is Samantha. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Full, <laughs> full Meredith Blake moment. Like, yeah. How, how many times have we seen this before? Parent Trap, It Takes to Samantha, an American Girl holiday movie. <laughs> you know, but thankfully, Cornelia turns out to be an angel. She's more of an angel than Samantha deserves in these first few interactions Mm -hmm. because Samantha is so lacking of a female role model that is more modern in her life that, like, it's hard, of course, as, like, a child to understand these things, but, like, she should be so lucky as to have someone right. like Cordelia in her life who can guide her and support her, and all she does is just, like, rebuff Cordelia's attempts to get closer to her, but Cordelia's pretty unfazed by it. True. Yeah, Cordelia, like, rules. I liked her, like, object. I understand Samantha's internal stuff where she's like oh my god am I being replaced like is uncle guard not going to like want to hang out with me as much now that he is starting his own family with Cornelia right 
but like Cornelia's awesome. She said girl power. She said like suffragettes, women should vote at the table. She like gave Samantha and Nellie cake to try for the wedding just because. And like, I don't know. I feel like I understand where Samantha is coming from and like why she would be upset, but Cornelia rules. Totally. And like, you know, the dinner scene I think was, interesting for several reasons so it's the first night that uncle guard and aunt cornelia arrive and they're at the table at grand mary's proper table and yes. immediately <laughs> you know cornelia comes in hot with the politics talk you know saying that women have the right to vote grand mary doesn't know why women should vote mm-hmm. which you know <laughs> actually Uncle Guard is the one that comes in hot with that because he's the one that says, oh, Cornelia has been doing like this great work in New York. And Cornelia is like, I don't know if we should talk about this right now, which I think is obviously like annoying that he did that, but very like also heartwarming because he clearly believes like in her uh, social causes as well. We love a feminist man. And yeah. uh, Uncle Guard said, "This is what a feminist looks like." <laughs> yes, <laughs> and literally. Then, and then they share their big news that they are getting married. And mm. here's another little issue that I had when Samantha is asked to be a bridesmaid. Grand Mary immediately is like, "She's too young." But then Cornelia says, "You know that." her sister is going to be the matron of honor and her sister's daughter, her niece is going to be the flower girl. But where are Agnes and Agatha who are such a big part of the series? And I know they call like her niece Agatha in here, but that is not Agatha. That is not the little redheaded twins sister duo of Cornelia. Right. Like why did they get rid of them? I guess. Yeah. For time. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, there's a lot that they, could have had the opportunity to do in this movie and they just didn't from like omitting the characters of Agnes and Agatha who would have I think in this case maybe just confused the storyline with Nellie because Mm. you know they are girls Samantha's age that are like also from her social class so I think the whole focus of the movie, like they're trying to get it to be on like Samantha bridging this gap and like finding a friend like in a in another like social standing from her. And if they were to have these two girls in here, but then again, I'm like, but they could have just like alluded to them in the scene. We would have recognized them if they were both there with like their little Annie like red hair looks (laughs) that they have. But I I thought it was interesting that they omitted that. They also, like, in the books, to me, if I remember correctly, the storylines or, like, the vibe of Samantha having close relationships with the servants in Grand Mary's house are very strong. Like, she, it's Mm -hmm. not just, like, the housekeeper. Mm -hmm. There's also, like, the housekeeper's husband, who I think is, like, the butler or, like, the driver. And then you have... Jesse, who is the main storyline of the first book, is like, where'd Jesse go? What's going on with her? Because Samantha had a close relationship with her. So I feel like there's a lot of stuff that they chose to leave out because they really wanted to go with the storyline of 
Nellie getting adopted ultimately by Uncle Guard, which I'm assuming in the book series happens over many books and not just like one book. But right. Totally. Yeah, it was interesting trying to like cram all of these storylines into one movie and like the decisions that had to be made to do so. But yeah, I just don't understand like why Samantha would be that upset about her uncle marrying someone. Yeah, this is like kind of lost on me because it seems like he's traveling a lot. You know, he might not be home in general. I don't know if they like lived together at one point after her parents died but she is taking this really hard and uncle guard has a heart to heart with samantha sitting by the water and she really doesn't want things to change but he you know talks to her about how like wonderful cornelia is and how samantha's mother would have been like close friends with her had she been alive and Mm -hmm. i thought that was a really sweet moment and you know even when Samantha went to Grand Mary to ask her about her thoughts on Cornelia and Grand Mary gave her the lesson of accepting all change with grace. I thought that was a good lesson for Samantha, but also I'm like, Grand Mary, take your own advice about women yeah. voting. <laughs> <laughs> change is good, Grand Mary, we promise. Yeah, honestly. I don't know. I guess everything is so dramatic when you're young and you're Samantha's age. And Definitely her anger seems very like misplaced and a bit much, but I think when she verbalized it, like, well, if they have their own baby, like they're not going to care about me. So I think she was scared that like, they wouldn't be as close. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, well, if we see like, unfortunately for Samantha, like her worst fear, I think is to be like, you know, not part not a real part of any family and to be like a burden to the people Mm -hmm. who are taking care of her and unfortunately like that is almost reinforced by other people several times throughout the movie like she she overhears Cordelia's friends talking about how it's such a shame that um Samantha is gonna be living with them right after they get married because it's you know Mm-hmm. obviously within the first few months of getting married like do they really want to take on a responsibility for a 10 year old kid and then we also hear uncle guard talk to grand mary about sharing and the burden of taking right her which i don't think he necessarily meant anything by that but i mean it was a very poor choice of words i feel like on his yeah. part right and I think like hearing it from Samantha, she's like, oh my God, I'm this burden. But I think what he really meant in that scene, which what that's what we get now. It's like, I'll take the responsibility. Like it's fine, you know, but she's hearing, oh, I'm a burden. And then you hear these like two cats at Cornelia's wedding who probably had like <laughs> something going on in their own lives to be like talking shit about a child at somebody's wedding. Right, but, right. Okay. <laughs> what the hell? Going to the wedding. What did you all think of Cornelia's dress? Do we love it? I mean, for the it time. was of the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the time. I mean, Samantha's dress, Laura and I were talking about this on a recent episode, and it really gives the vibe of having to wear a turtleneck under your Halloween costume. Oh, like, yes. Like, what, what was that? Poor Samantha. 
I know. Yeah. It was like the most uncomfortable dress. And like, I just <laughs> want to be Tinkerbell. And I want everybody that I'm trick or treating with to see that I'm Tinkerbell, not Tinkerbell in a turtleneck. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not Honestly. accurate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I think that um, Pleasant Company later on did release like a Samantha as a bridesmaid in Cornelia's wedding dress. Um, and I'm not sure exactly if it matched this, uh, but I would think yes, because I think it came after the movie. So oh, that's fun. I want to look into that. Um, yeah. I, I love that Grand Mary catches the bouquet. Yeah. And immediately yes. hands it off. To <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> I oh do feel God. like they did a good job making Grand Mary like, because in the book, at least, or at like the age that I was when I was engaging with the books, I perceived Granberry to be like an old lady where yeah. I think the movie does a good job showing that like she's actually not that old and like she's still at a point in her life where like she can go through this like second act of like mm-hmm. remarrying and like it, it's and I think it's just like perhaps like the perception that as a youth you have of people older than you, but I thought they did a really good job of like making her seem like obviously like a grandmother, but she was like an age appropriate grandmother for the mm-hmm. time period. Like she probably, right. they didn't make her 70 years old. Cause that would make no sense for like the age that people became grandmothers back then. So I appreciated yeah, that. Totally. Life does not end at 50 and grand mary is showing it she would be uh a tiktok star today showing us how to 100%. live her life <laughs> and I, it up. I think mia farrow was around 59 or so when this role took place for her so it's like oh, you know good. i guess you could be old enough to like have grandkids but you know you're gonna get your groove back because mr man i forget his name is still like trying to propose to you every single year. Like she's Seriously. got it going on. I love that for her. And yes. then we have a scene of Nellie and Samantha saying goodbye to each other because Samantha is being taken to New York to live with Uncle Guard and Aunt Cornelia for a while. And they show some like footage of new york city which i love they show madison square park and the flat iron building we Mm -hmm. love it didn't know those were created in 1904 i should know my new york history probably better than i do but loved hearing that in a letter that samantha was writing to nelly where she says that the chestnuts smell better than my taste which like yes i'm not a huge chestnut fan but i also love that because i say that sentiment all the time about nuts for nuts Yes, mm-hmm. very relatable about nuts right? for nuts. I thought of the same thing. I was like, "This is a this is a call to nuts for nuts." <laughs> yeah. They do always smell better than they taste. I feel like I get it. I'm like, "Oh well, that's fine, I guess." Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. It just smells so heavenly. Yeah, they need to make like an ice cream that tastes how nuts for nuts smells. I think right. Yes, oh, so agreed. true. Yeah, you're not going to get that same delight out of a nut, but probably in like an ice cream, Mm -hmm. you'll have a better chance of it tasting amazing. (laughs) Yes, for sure. And then we go to Samantha 
attending school where the kids are a little mean to her for mm-hmm. misremembering or mispronouncing the Hudson River. And it's like, come on, lower your expectations. She's like 10 years old. Yeah. Like all you 10 year olds here in the city know what the Hudson River is and you know how to pronounce it perfectly. Like, come on. Right. Yes. I wish we could have seen like this school compared to the school she was going to in yeah. Mount Bedford because she made it sound like when she was talking to Nellie about it that like Mount Bedford school was just like literally a school like right. a, pu- a public school yes. where it seems like where she attends when she lives with Uncle Guard is like more of a prestigious education all girls uh, yep. private school definitely and the school uniforms I have to say are really cute we see yes. in a later school scene that there's going to be this contest where 12 speeches will be selected to be read and one of them will win and this is kind of um a driver for like the ending ish of the movie Mm -hmm. um where samantha really internalizes the lessons that she's learned um over the next course of time about factories which is her chosen topic first being really excited and like interested in like the high like production you get with like the industrial revolution like this will you know increase productivity and we'll have all of these marvelous items that we wouldn't normally if people made things by hand and it was like a glowing review on factories Mm -hmm. which as we find out takes a turn after her experiences going into the factory and all of that, which we'll talk about. But we also learned that Nellie's dad dies and now Nellie and her sisters are back in New York city at an orphanage. Mm -hmm. Which can we talk about how people, I mean, obviously we know the Rylands are horrible people, but like people in general in this time period just seems so unfeeling. Like, the right. idea, number one, that you would make young girls work in your household, but then also the idea that if their father dies, that you would immediately send them to an orphanage. Like, yeah. it's kind of dark-sided to think that people were just so uncaring towards children. Like, yeah. That. Honestly, it's so true. Like, why didn't the Rylands just keep them in their home or, you know, find another solution for them versus sending them immediately to an orphanage? Yeah. And from what I understand, like Nellie and her sisters were contributing to the household and like Mm -hmm. they were part of the staff. So why would you fire three members of your staff just because their father died? I don't know. The right. Rylands also just seem like terrible people. And you know who else yeah. is a terrible person? I had a note in this when we were talking about Samantha's classmates. The second you saw her classmate, Emma, being like, my daddy um, the factory. <laughs> like, I just knew what kind of a girl she would yeah. be. And I knew yes. she would not like her. Same with the head of the orphanage, Miss Flouchy. Yes. Miss Flouchy. We know what she's up to. We know what yes. you're doing. We know we're not going to like you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Just by giving her that name, like they created a villain because you can't be that, you can't be a kind person with a name like that. Like, <laughs> you know that. Flouchy surname. No. <laughs> yeah. She's going to be a villain for sure. Seriously. So they go to the orphanage 
Samantha has this like idea that she would get into the orphanage kind of schemes alongside Cornelia to get back in contact with Nellie. So they go under the guise of like taking a tour and wanting to perhaps like donate to the orphanage. Like they have a friend who works closely with, with the uh, Cold Rock orphanage there. And so they go, Samantha um, is on this tour, brings a basket of fruit, to distribute to the girls there. And this orphanage, of course, just looks like the saddest place you've ever mm-hmm. seen. Like Annie, but yes. probably worse, colder, sadder, and no singing. Nothing. And <laughs> uh, Samantha finds Jenny and Bridget, hands them some fruit, finds Nellie. And I'm skipping like a little bit of a ahead here, but like Nellie tells her that like she is potentially going to be on the orphan train separated from her sisters and samantha knows that she has to do something she has to get all three girls out of there and together so Mm -hmm. she starts she starts to scheme she figures out a way that they would be able to leave and in the books spoiler alert they escape via a window but in the movie uh, they hide in Mrs. Frouchy's office while she's, you know, kind of embezzling the money. Um, like caught, <laughs> to caught spend red-handed. on what? To spend on what is my right. question. Not on, <laughs> not on outfits. I'll tell you that much. But, <laughs> no, but later on, one of the people that comes into was it the um, lead suffragette in the group? She comes yeah. by to be like, you're being replaced and looks at Miss Flouchy's new cool hat that wasn't Ugh, there before. Right. <laughs> Seriously. So yeah. like, they are like hiding in the closets. I think Bridget maybe is like under the desk and trips the woman, Miss Frouchy. <laughs> and then like, all the girls escape at the same time out the front door. And like, Miss Frouchy makes zero effort to like, stop them like she like yeah. falls down she easily couldn't get up she's just like stop them like she's like, like rolling around so slowly like <laughs> like they're little kids they probably right. are little kids are fast but you can probably catch up to them and she's just like stop them they have also taken the money right she was like how convenient for me like this right is perfect right um so she goes to samantha's house who samantha had successfully gotten all three of the girls out of the orphanage and up to level of her home maybe like an attic room that she has like since furnished with a bedroom set. i guess <laughs> somehow not suspicious at all she says that like their maid helped her because she said it was for a family in need and it's like right and they were just like fine with that being in their house like <laughs> I don't I don't understand how she managed to accomplish that but that's right movie magic I guess movie magic I know you can't think too hard about it and so Samantha keeps all the girls up there is like delivering them food and all is fine and well until Bridget gets sick mm-hmm. and I don't know if I just like zoned out on this part but like Bridget's sick and Nellie is like off in a factory like trying to find work I didn't realize she could leave I thought Samantha just like had them up in this attic room and they were there like I didn't know that Nellie was like trying to get employment at the same time yeah, she's trekking down to Ludlow Street, which is on the Lower East Side. I don't know where 
Uncle Guard's place is in relation to that. But like, how is she getting out of this huge, you know, Gramercy Park, let's just say mansion to right? track it to the Lower East without getting noticed by other members of the household? <laughs> oh my God, yeah. honestly. Small note, I looked up the address on Lumbo Street and my husband, when we first started dating, was a half a block from this factory. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. Wow. I felt a really strong connection there. Wow. <laughs> I I feel like it's so insane that Samantha didn't like try to stop Nelly from doing this because mm-hmm. like, I, I guess it's like, seems like a weird conditional aspect of like Samantha helping them is that like Nellie's like thanks for helping me but like now I need to go get a a job and you'd think if Samantha would get them this far she'd be like no like I'll I'll work out a plan to like tell my aunt and uncle like but don't like get a job but she's just like oh okay like go for it because it's like what does she need the money for like rent is like covered like you're she's not gonna go out and get like an apartment for herself and her two sisters at age 10 and right. well she says that that's what she wants to do but I'm like yeah. who, who would allow that <laughs> who would rent a room to this 10 year old child but I don't know Natalie seems like the hustle is like all she's ever known so because she's worked before she's like all right well I have to get us out of this again and get us a room and start working because yeah I don't want to go back to the orphanage basically and be separated by my from my sisters yeah totally so on a scale of one to traumatized how upsetting was the factory scene for you two oh traumatized highly yeah highly upsetting (laughs) and as an adult it was highly upsetting perhaps as a kid I wouldn't have been able to like make connections in my mind with things that were going on but as an adult, highly traumatized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As were like a lot of the reviews that I saw for this movie. I love looking at like the one and two star reviews and they were all like calling out the factory scenes specifically. Like there should have been a little warning there or something like that was pretty fucked up to see. Um, essentially a boy gets his hand caught in a sewing machine and it goes by pretty quickly, but not without a lot of. You don't see uh, anything, yeah. but you, but you can you make it. up your own yeah. mind about what's going on. I mean, he totally. was a wonderful actor. I really felt that. <laughs> I was like covering my eyes, and then you, like Laura said, you don't see anything. But it's also like, yeah, I mean, people are complaining about it, but that was the reality of like factory work back then right. before things were more regulated. So maybe take it up with. I don't know, whoever else. Right. Yeah, totally. So then Nellie, you know, is at her desk at the factory and Samantha comes in, tells her that Bridget is sick, come Mm -hmm. back quick. Um, Nellie leaves with Samantha. So Samantha gets an inside look at the factory at this point. And then they go back and realize that they need to tell Cornelia and guard that the girls are up there because Bridget is sick. She needs a doctor this is like beyond their scope of you know medical care that they could perform on themselves you know taking like a little bit of washcloth and patting the other is not gonna (laughs) do much in the scheme of things so they were like we need an expert and Cornelia and guard were decidedly unamused at the fact that Samantha yeah 
got them out. <laughs> Uncle Guard wants to bring them back to the orphanage. Yeah. It's- he was like, he was like, we have to tell the authorities. Yeah. Like, he's like, you, you? breaking the law, Samantha. Like, that's not right? cool just because you don't agree with it. She's like, but I couldn't do nothing. But one other thing, Nellie made a statement on fast fashion that we completely like missed. I just looked down on my notes. Samantha was all like, oh my God, like, I can't believe the factories are like this. Nobody talks about. And I wrote down, I don't know if it's an exact quote because I scribbled it, but Nellie goes, nobody wants to see where their frocks come from just that they keep coming. And I was like, oh, Oh, ahead of her time. Yes. Seriously. Still relevant today. Exactly. And I feel like knowing that and Cornelia seems like she's in the know and she cares socially about what happened. So like, while Uncle Guard probably wanted the girls to go back to the orphanage, I feel like Cornelia was with it and was like, low key, high five Samantha, because you're like, and like being the change that you want to see. Right. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. So here we have Cornelia and Guard and Samantha now talking about, you know, kind of the situation with Samantha where. Samantha doesn't feel like she belongs anywhere and even calls out her, uh, the conversation she overheard at the wedding where Cornelia's friends were saying how sorry they feel for Cornelia, that they have to take care of Samantha. And Cornelia says about her friends that they are jealous, mean, and petty, which Mm -hmm. I loved. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We love it. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, Cornelia had some stuff with them before the wedding where they were like, mm, congrats, I guess, Cornelia. And they were just projecting right. onto her. Yes. Yes. Seriously. There's clearly a, a dynamic there with some jealousy towards Cornelia's, I think, ability to land a well-off man like Uncle Guard. Mm-hmm. Like, Honestly. I think, I think that those women were jealous of her long before Samantha overheard what they said yes absolutely and then we get to Samantha's speech night where Mm. she goes from talking about how important factories are and how you know they're changing society and now has a completely new speech to the horrors of what happens in factories and kind of bringing this all to light which ends up disqualifying her from the competition because this is not the speech that was selected. Even Granberry was who, you know, doesn't like to ruffle any political feathers, mm-hmm. was very much impressed with Samantha's mm-hmm. speech. She, like, she was. Ended Samantha to her teacher when the teacher was like, you're disqualified. Grandmary says something, and then the teacher goes, I beg your pardon. All right. right. We all know what happened. But, like, yeah, <laughs> I feel like that was growth on Grandmary's end because this yes. is probably stuff that, aside from Cornelia and Uncle Guard, who seem to pay attention to what's going on in the factories, mm-hmm. and definitely if you've seen that movie Suffragette with Carrie Washington, like, it shows stuff that happened in the factories and why it was important for women to have they're saying things and important for women to vote like I feel like suffragettes were very in tune with that but this was probably news to Grand Mary too that they had kids yeah age working in the factory so like yeah I'm gonna stand up for my girl and then we see Cornelia inviting Samantha to speak the same speech in front of her women's group 
Ah. Yes. The way Cordelia just built her up in that way. This is why Cordelia is a great role model for Samantha. Exactly. Like Cornelia needs to be an American girl doll. I feel very strongly yes. about that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And I love that we get closure also on the fact that Granberry is going to actually marry the Admiral. Yes. A nice happy ending for her, for sure. Right? Good to see that all wrapped up. And then Cornelia and Uncle Guard ask Samantha if she wants to live with them permanently and be a part of their family, which was such a sweet moment. And uh, it I don't know. It, it, I'm just so happy for Samantha. Like, mm-hmm. she, she found somewhere where she belonged. But there are three more girlies back at the house who are still up in the air right now, which is probably weighing on Samantha. And it's you know, approaching Christmas, we see the tree, it's Christmas Eve. And that morning, I believe all the girls come down in their nightgowns, and they're so cute. And all the girls are standing on the stairs. And Uncle Guard invites them to like live with them. And they thought they meant it to work at their house. Like Nelly. He's like, I'll work so hard. I'll work so hard. You won't be disappointed with this decision. He's like, no. To adopt you. (laughs) And then Jenny has her moment where Jenny, who does not say a peep during this entire movie, Uncle Guard asks, what do you say, Bridget? (laughs) You know, Bridget's excited. And he's like, how about you, Jenny? And what does Jenny say? (laughs) Jenny says yes. (laughs) Yes. And then then Uncle Guard goes, that's my girl. And he picks her up and like swings her around. And I'm like, I get get that you just adopted these kids and you obviously love them. But like, it just seemed like a really overly performative (laughs) way to like mark like that they're formally adopting them when he just met these girls like the day before right and a week ago or like however long ago he wanted to turn them into the authorities like (laughs) right (laughs) like this is against the law that I have these children in my house and then he swings them around (laughs) but I love it that like scene made me tear up for like the second time because I remember like getting a little emotional watching it the first time around too and I was like oh Uncle Guard did it to me again (laughs) it's it's yeah I would say like it's the reason why it's so emotional is because exactly what we just like mentioned about them thinking that it's to work and like how happy they would have been even just to be like given that opportunity and the fact that like basically now they have this opportunity to like live a life that they deserve after so much hardship like that's the part that makes me emotional right exactly like they're just so grateful I know I fully teared up and I feel like Nellie is such a huge part of Samantha's story so it's really beautiful that like now they're bonded for life. Now they don't have to worry about like, oh, is Nellie going to like come across some situation where she has to get sent away now? They're sisters. They're sisters. Right. And right. they felt like yeah. sisters, but now it's right. And totally. it also speaks to the importance of adoption too, because I feel like, I don't know, everyone who has kids is like, I want to have kids. I want to have my own. But there are so many sweet kids like Nellie and her sisters who are stuck in the system and could benefit from a really good family like Cornelia and Uncle Guard. Definitely. 
this movie really drives home the importance of finding that sense of belonging. Samantha and Nellie and her sisters were all in the unfortunate circumstance of being orphans at a really young age and finding themselves in situations where they don't have that stability of family or a place to call home. And whether that is Samantha being passed around by her family members and overhearing these adult conversations or Nellie and her sisters who have a more uncertain fate with living at the Rylands and then the death of their father resulting in them landing in the orphanage and then the possibility of further separation if Nellie is forced on the orphan train out west. This movie has a great lesson of, you know, the importance of friendship, chosen families, and I just love how it all came together in the end for our girls. I agree. Yes. Agreed. I think it makes me want to go back and like reread all the Samantha books, honestly, to figure Mm -hmm. out like what exact order all this transpired in. Um, Because like we know that Nellie is part of Samantha's story across, I think, multiple books. So I think that they like combined a lot of stuff here. So I think that it would just be interesting to see like more in-depth I guess like how their friendship came together and I also want to like understand a little bit about what Nellie's life was like after this movie yes and how she enjoys like her time living with Uncle Guard and Cornelia Mm -hmm. yeah I agree also like looking at the books that I just have I haven't gotten that far in them but Christmas book is the third book in the series and then the last book is Changes for Samantha, which on the back cover says that Nellie is still being referred to as Samantha's servant friend. And Changes aren't as happy for Nellie as they are Samantha, who has to find work again when her friend disappears. Samantha thinks Nellie has been lost forever. And it talks a little bit about the orphanage. So this adoption must have happened at the very end of Samantha's series but Uh, reading further about you know Nellie's story I don't know if like any sequels came out for Nellie I think there were like a couple additional Samantha books in like the Be Forever series so yeah might be more to Nellie's story there but yeah I would love to see that as well yeah yeah as a whole you know this movie is meant for girls who are probably Samantha's age watching it and I was I mean, American Girl always hits with the themes, let's be real. And there were a lot of like really grown up themes that spoke to like feminism and the way class was set up and also Mm -hmm. just like workers rights and even fast fashion, like we said, and the importance of like your found family. And I feel like these are themes that, you know, you learn about when you get older, but American Girl was kind of introducing us to these themes before we had the words to describe it ourselves. Yep. Definitely. Definitely agree with that. No, but it was awesome. I feel like overall, 10 out of 10, 100 on Roddy T's, however you yes. want to rate it. Like, <laughs> it was so pleasantly surprising for me that it was like really relevant. And I don't know, I don't think it would be a movie that like my husband would want to watch with me, but like I loved it because I'm the target audience, you know? 
Right. right. I, and I think that this movie actually would be appealing to any young girls, mm-hmm. even if you didn't have the Samantha doll or weren't familiar with mm-hmm. American Girl or Samantha's story. I think that similarly to like A Little Princess or Anne of Green Gables or something like that, this is very much like a story about girls and their agency and their like empowering them and also Mm. about like a learning lesson for present day girls about you know things in the past so I think that contrary to what that one reviewer said I don't think you have to be entrenched in the American Girl universe to enjoy this movie Uh, yeah fully fully aligned definitely like highlights the importance of friendship too because like Samantha was just like defending Nellie to the end there was that one scene where the Rylands were pissed that she had stayed the night at Samantha's and Samantha was like it wasn't her fault it was my fault and she was like really just like fighting for her girl right I thought that yes was beautiful. especially when you're that young you don't want to see yeah. your friend get in trouble so it's scary when they do agree yeah and I liked at that point too that like Grand Mary took the side of Samantha and Nellie mm-hmm. and you know there wasn't that like black and white like Nellie is a servant like you cannot be friends with her whereas Mrs. Ryland was automatically like a bitch to Nellie and (laughs) by default Samantha as well like saw her for you know the the friendship that they had together um yeah I I give this a 10 out of 10 too like re-watching it I think you know, prior to our discussion, I would have given it like an eight out of 10, but talking about it now, it has a lot more depth to it than I think what initially meets the eye when first watching it. But when you really think about the concepts that are shared, especially targeting a younger demographic that might be watching it, I think this movie was really well done. It was entertaining. Love all of the messages that it had. It really touched upon a lot. And yeah, another another win for American Girl. Yeah, agreed. 10 out of 10 on my end. I think that this was a really good starting point for them with the movies. And my only regret is that they didn't do more movies that like covered more of the stories that like we are familiar with. Because I feel like based on like this movie, they could have really done so much that would have been amazing about some of the other plot points we had in the Samantha book. So that's, that's my only comment is just that like, I wish that there was more. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everything Agreed. can remake these days so we can hold out hope that Netflix will probably <laughs> adapt their own series and you guys <laughs> will be consultants on wardrobe <laughs> and plot and everything so that please. yeah <laughs> we're we manifesting can only dream. it now <laughs> please yes love it Definitely. well Marianne thank you so much for joining us today this was so great to have you back on and review this Christmas classic movie let's just call it that Thank you so much. (laughs) This was the best. I'm honored to be back. And it was so fun discussing all of the themes. You, I mean, it's like surprising that an American Girl movie would have that many themes, but actually not because American Girl is quite deep and they do teach us those life lessons that we carry forever. 
Yes, so true. It really delivered. And please, as you listen to this episode, whether you choose to watch the movie or not, or if you've seen the movie, please let us know what you thought of it. We're we're dying to hear everybody's opinions so that we can have some discourse. So I guess with that, uh, happy holidays, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to American Girl Women. For more AG Women content, follow us on IG at American Girl Women or send us your American Girl stories via AmericanGirlWomen at gmail.com. We might just read them on the pod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts.